ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I invite you to take your Bible. Turn with us to Revelation chapter 4 as we continue in this book. And as you're turning to Revelation 4 and verse 1, I have a very special announcement to make. We are moving. We're moving very soon. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. As we move into chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, we're heading into strange country, as it were, We've just left the past as we dealt with the seven churches of Asia Minor. Yet while we studied those churches, we came to understand that we were in reality very much in the present. Now, when we get to this chapter, we're about to step off into the future. And this chapter and the one that follows takes us into the very throne room of God where we can see ourselves and what we will be doing when we get to heaven. After that, our focus will be primarily on the earth until we get to chapter 21. What I want you to understand is Revelation 4 and verse 1 is a very special verse. In fact, if you do not understand this one verse, I dare say you cannot understand the remainder of the book. If you mess up here, you've got to be out of step all the way through the rest of this great book. I consider Revelation 4 and verse 1 very crucial, very vital into setting the stage in Bible prophecy in Revelation. Now, I'm not certain whether you realize it or not, but this verse has a lot to say about our future. It tells us about a day when all the children of God will leave this world together. And I want to show you the facts that are presented in this verse. Thus, I would begin with the importance of this verse. It's important because it's a transitional verse. Notice that this verse begins with the phrase, after this, and it ends with the word, hereafter. Now in the Greek text, these words are exactly the same, and both of these English expressions translate the Greek words, meta tauta. Now this is not the first time that we've encountered this phrase in this book, for if you look back in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19, meta tauta, shows up there as well. John is commanded to write three different things, the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. There is our phrase. It is the Greek phrase, meta tauta, and it ties these verses together. And what we have in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19 is a basic outline of the book of Revelation. The things which thou hast seen, 
point to the events of chapter 1. The things which are points to the events in chapters 2 and 3, or the letters to the seven churches. Notice the last words of chapter 3. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Revelation 3 and verse 22. These events cover the history of the visible church from the days of the apostle unto the end of the church age. Thus we have the things which shall be hereafter. This points to the events that will occur after the age of the church is ended. Now chapters 4 and 5 finds the redeemed saints of God in heaven, in his presence, worshiping him there. Chapters 6 through chapter 19 deal with the tribulation period and the wrath of God as he judges the sinful world and purifies his people Israel. So, Revelation 4 and verse 1 is an important verse that must be understood correctly if we're going to stay on track as we move through the book. It's also important because it signals a time of transition for the people of God. Now, after this point, the church is never mentioned as being on the earth again. This verse tells us about that day when we're going to be moving up to glory. I don't know about you, but I'm looking so much to that day. Thus, Revelation 4 and verse 1 is not only a transitional verse, but it is a typical verse. Now, this verse tells us that one man, John, was called up into heaven. Just one man is affected here, just John. But in this verse, John becomes a representative man. He pictures what will happen to all believers who are living on the earth when Jesus comes back for his people in the rapture. I don't want to give away the rest of the message, but this event called the rapture is very important. When the rapture occurs, several events will be set into motion. We learn in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, that the bride of Christ will be taken out of the world. Now, the rapture is called the blessed hope in Titus 2 and verse 13. Thank God for that hope. Not only that, but we also discover in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 7, the Spirit of God will be taken out of this world. According to Matthew 24 and verse 21, this sinful, rebellious world will be plunged into great tribulation. So this verse stands as a type or as a picture of what will happen when Jesus returns for his children. Are you ready for that day? Secondly, I would show you the illustrations of this verse. The book of Revelation is a book filled with signs, symbols, and illustrations. Back in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, we're told that he was sent and signified it. Now take the word signified and sound it out. And if you do, it becomes sign-i-fied. In other words, the Lord tells John that he's going to reveal some of the content of this book in signs and symbols. Now if you've read the book of Revelation, you know how true that is. Jesus is pictured as a lamb. The redeemed saints are pictured as 24 elders. The new Jerusalem is pictured as a bride. The Antichrist is called the beast, and there are many other examples that can be given. The use of symbols in no way changes what God says. Everything he says will come to pass as a literal event. He merely uses the language of symbolism 
to describe actual events. He uses symbols so that people of all generations are able to understand what he means. And there are two symbols or illustrations given to encourage us in this verse. First, we see in, that it involved the eyes. John says that he saw a door opened in heaven. The phrase literally means that there was a door standing open in heaven. This is the third door that we've encountered in the Revelation thus far. Now, let's review the doors we've already seen. Revelation 3 and verse 8, we see the door of service. The church in Philadelphia is told, Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. This is the door of gospel opportunity and service. When a church is biblical and walking after the will of the Lord, he will set before it an open door of ministry, and he's doing that with our churches these days. Now, we have the door of salvation. Revelation 3 and verse 20. Those in Laodicea are invited to open the door of their hearts to let Christ in. The lost heart is closed to Christ. But if it is open, he will enter and he will save the lost soul. Now in our text, the door in heaven is shown to be standing open. The tense of the verb means that this door has been open and it continues to stand open for all who desire to enter it. Now we know who the door is. In John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus identified himself as the door. He is the only way to heaven. And people do not go to heaven through the door of the church, regardless of the name over the church door. People do not enter heaven through their good works. They do not go in by their own power. The only door into salvation in heaven is Jesus Christ. He is the one who died. He is the one who rose again. He is the one who paid the price for our salvation. He is the only way to God, John 14 and verse 6. Now today, that door stands wide open. It will allow whosoever will to enter and find peace and rest and salvation in heaven. But when the Lord calls his people home to heaven, the door of salvation will close and people will still be saved after the rapture, but only those, according to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 11, only those who have never heard the gospel will have that opportunity. Many of you probably remember the ten virgins in Matthew 25. Five failed to prepare, and by the time they were ready, the door was shut in Matthew 25 and verse 10. Friend, it is so foolish to presume upon time when it comes to your eternal soul. If you've been waiting to walk through the door of salvation, wait no longer. The time to enter will soon be gone forever. Revelation 4 and verse 1, we have the door of summons. This open door in heaven becomes a door of summons, and those who are saved will one day be called up to go through the open door into heaven. Revelation 19 and verse 11, we see the door of splendor. One day heaven will be opened again, and this time it will not be to allow people to enter it will open to allow Jesus to return to this earth with his church. 
He is returning in splendor and power and glory to stamp out evil and establish his kingdom. Now, not only did John see a door, John heard a trumpet. That's the language of symbolism. He said, the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me. Now, what John heard was not an actual trumpet, but a noise like that of a trumpet, piercing, loud, demanding attention. Trumpets were very important in the life of ancient Israel. Numbers chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, gives God's instructions for the use of trumpets in Israel. They were to make two trumpets of silver. They were different types of trumpet, blast, for various events. The trumpets were to be blown when it was time to break camp and move. The trumpets blew to announce sacrifices on feast days. Trumpets blew to summon the priest to the tabernacle. Trumpets were used to sound an alarm in a time of war, danger. It is very important that we understand that the people listened to the various trumpet blasts and that the trumpeters made the right sounds. Now, trumpets also figure very heavily into the New Testament, particularly in connection with end-time events. You'll discover in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, the verse shows us that there will be a trumpet that will sound signaling the act of Jesus catching up his saints. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 52 also speaks of a trumpet sound in connection with this event. You see the connection? It appears that God will use a trumpet to sound his signal to his people when it's time to depart. I don't think this world will hear it, but I believe the people of God will hear it, the children of God. When that trumpet sounds, it's time to break camp and move off to glory. When that trumpet sounds, it's going to signal a declaration of war on sin and this evil world system. And one of these days, a trumpet blast will sound and the saints will leave this world behind forever. And John says his trumpet was a voice. I wonder if this is not the voice of the Lord calling for his people. Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16, we're told that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. When Jesus comes, that trumpet will call the living up, but in his shout, it will also call the dead. Look at the New Testament. Every time Jesus shouted in the Bible, there was a resurrection. He shouted at the tomb of Lazarus, and he got up in John 11 and verse 43. He shouted on Calvary. Many of the dead saints arose in John 19 and verse 30, Matthew chapter 27. He will shout at the rapture and all the redeemed will hear his voice and come out of their graves. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I don't know what Jesus will say when he comes. He may say, come up hither. He may say, come forth. He may say, come home. Whatever he says on that day, his voice will cause gravity to lose its hold on these bodies and we're going to be changed into his likeness and we'll fly away to our heavenly home. But thirdly, I want you to see the implications of this verse. 
There is a river of glory running through this precious verse, and we cannot miss the implications for our lives. It speaks of deliverance. John is told that he's going to see things which must be hereafter. He's referring to future things. Now, it won't be long until we get to Revelation chapter 6 and beyond, but when we get there, we're going to encounter details of events too horrible and too amazing to comprehend. When we come to chapter 6, we're going to witness a vivid description of the events of the tribulation, and I think it's significant that John is called up into heaven before the tribulation begins. As I mentioned, John is a representative man. He pictures the church and its removal from this world before the horrors of the tribulation begin to unfold. That is exactly what the rapture of the church is. It is a rescue mission. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Paul uses the words caught up to describe what we understand to be the rapture. Now, in fact, the word rapture does not appear in the Bible. Don't let anyone throw you on that because the word grandfather doesn't appear there either. The word rapture is a Latin translation of the Greek word harpazo, which is the word translated, called up, in this verse. The word harpazo literally means to seize, to carry off by force. If you saw your child about to be hit by a car and you ran out and snatched that child out of the path of the oncoming vehicle, saving his life, then you have the meaning of this word. He has the idea of rescue from danger. It's a terrible time of danger coming on this earth, and God is going to pull his people out, and he's going to pull his spirit out too. He's going to break off diplomatic relations with this world. Then he's going to declare war on sin and sinners. He's going to take his church out before that time comes. Now, some people believe that the church will be here for the tribulation. They say the church is so filthy and so impure that God will leave it here to be cleaned up during this awful time. Now, let me just ask those people one question. What could the tribulation possibly do for the church that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot do? Yes, there's sin and sinners in the church, but when we are caught up, we will face Jesus Christ at the judgment seat. We're going to give an account of our deeds and our lives. But sin was paid for at Calvary, thank God. And let me share you, with you a few reasons why I believe the church will be rescued before the tribulation begins. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10, and in chapter 5 and verse 9, and in Revelation 8 and verse 1, that our salvation has delivered us from his wrath. 
we see in Titus 2 and verse 13 that we're looking for the blessed hope, not the horrors of the tribulation, not the Antichrist, not the wrath of God. We're looking for the blessed hope. Third, we have the biblical types that suggest that we're going to be taken out before the tribulation. We have Enoch. Enoch was removed before the flood in Genesis 5 verse 24. Lot was removed before Sodom was destroyed in Genesis 19 and verse 22. There's a clear pattern here. God removes his people before he manifests his wrath. One other proof is found in Revelation 2 and verse 7. Revelation 2 and verse 11. Verse 17, verse 29, chapter 3 and verse 6, verse 13, and verse 22. And in all of these verses, Jesus uses these words, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We see in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 9 and verse 43, Jesus says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. No mention of the Spirit, no mention of the churches. Of course, this was before the church was formed and before the Spirit was given to the churches. But also look at Revelation 13 and verse 9. That verse says, If any man hath an ear, let him hear. Do you see the difference? Jesus does not mention either the Spirit or the churches. Why? Because they've both been removed at what we call the rapture, the catching of the saints. Now praise the Lord. I believe the Bible here. We will not be here for the tribulation. Not one particle of it. What we see here is exactly what happens in our world when war breaks out between nations. When hostilities begin to rise, one of the first things a nation does is calls all of its ambassadors home. The church is God's ambassadors to the world. God said that, not me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now, before he declares war on earth, he's going to call his people home to be with him. Thank God we're leaving before the worst comes. Some years ago, when Billy Graham was preaching at the University of Hawaii, he was talking about the second coming of Christ, and one of the students said to him, Mr. Graham, doesn't this matter of the second coming of the, of the church seem like escapism to you? And Billy Graham replied, well, perhaps it does, but young man, before Satan gets through with this old world, we're all going to be looking for the exit signs. I agree with that. One of these days, we'll be glad for the fact that Jesus is taking us out of here before things get bad. Not only is there going to be an escape, praise the Lord, there's also going to be an entrance. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 17 says, So shall we ever be with the Lord. Folks, when we pass from this world through that open door in the heavens, we're going home. We're heading to that place Jesus promised to prepare for us in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. And when we arrive there, we will join the saints of all the ages in the presence of the Lord in his city. Imagine the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints all together in that city. Imagine the martyrs of all the ages, the preachers, the faithful church folks, all together in glory. Imagine that city free from the curse of this world, free from death, free from sorrow, free from pain, free from sin. Imagine seeing Jesus and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Imagine the day when we go home. Imagine that day 
when we stop imagining things and we start seeing things because our faith had been made sight. Jim Hill had it right when he put his pen to paper and he said, there is coming a day where no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day, that will be. What a day, that will be. When my Jesus I shall see And I look upon his face The one who saved me by his grace When he takes me by the hand And he leads me through the promised land What a day, glorious day that will be Oh, but his second verse gets even better. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, no more parting over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day! Glorious day that will be. My friend, there's coming some exciting days ahead for the church. We're about to leave this world behind forever. That's the message of this one verse. This verse says, we are moving. What a special announcement that is. The question I have for you is this. Are you in this verse? John was called up to heaven. One day every saved child of God will be called up as well. Are you going to be in that number? When the Lord comes and he catches his saints, those who have been saved, washed in his precious blood, will you go with him or will you be left behind to face tribulation? If you're born again, Praise his name. There's a great day coming. If you are not saved, then come to Christ right now while there's hope and be saved before it is eternally too late. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org. And let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.